0: На нахолеют знамена Облака в плыву, плывут На зеленом ковре стадиона Разноцвет Hello and welcome back to the Russian Football News Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing sort of everybody's least favourite topic in a way. Everyone gets frustrated by these things, but every, everybody loves a good transfer. So we're really focusing on the transfers today. And then, of course, we've got the, the Russian clubs entering European competition this week. So we'll be going over that as well. My two guests, as always, we've got the Russian Football News website editor. That's Toka Thelade. Hey, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm OK. Thank you. And of course, we've got one of our distinguished writers. We've got Andrew Flint.
1: Hey, Tom. Good to be back. Good
0: stuff. Now, um, I think, actually, rather than going straight into transfers, we, we're planning to sort of focus on Angie quite a lot because they've had a big overhaul this summer. Uh, just look at their transfer mark page now when it loads up on my computer. There we go. <laughs> so I'm just looking now. I think there's about there's around about 15 transfers going on there. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All threes, by the way, for all that all those listening. So,
1: Total's on the right, Thomas.
0: Is the total 17 on the right? on the right. Oh, so yeah. it is. <laughs> well, well, sp- well spotted. Uh, <laughs> right. So, Andrew, seeing as you've interrupted me there, you can sort of give your, because we've seen this turnover and transfers from Angie mm-hmm. in the last couple of windows. So, I mean, and we've seen a gradual slip down. So what's going to make it the, the slip reverse, if you like?
1: Well, I mean, you're, you're right. Um, absolutely right. Angie had just, um, well, they're predictable in their unpredictability. They just a the number of players that come in, come and go. The the one first problem from that is the identity of the team. You know, we saw the owners saying they wanted to build. You know, a club with more local identity, but they're still signing um, quite a few foreigners, although they, they are lining up with a lot more Russians in the starting lineup, I actually think this has been of the three mad transfer windows that we've had since last summer, this winter, and this summer. I think this one's been the best. They've brought in slightly more sensible players who are at their level. Um, I'd like to pick out Vadim Afonin, who is at the age of 29, he's not no spring chicken, but he's a tall, physical, but very, very capable, technically gifted, uh, holding midfielder. And I've seen him a lot in the FNAL, but he was really a class above. He, he is a Premier League quality um, player. So, you know, bringing in players like him um, and of course, there was that excellent article on the website that David Santon wrote about Gatoch Panon, the Ethiopian, the first Ethiopian in the top six leagues in Europe, I believe. Um, so he's not, I don't believe he's actually registered yet because there was, we were talking off air, weren't we, about the registration ban. Um, but, you know, it's, he's only 22 years old, but um, he's scored a few goals internationally already. Um and that's a transfer that will build in value. So that's only two out of 17. But I do believe it shows a slight more, a bit more sense, really. So I actually think that, Angie, they're going to be at the bottom half of the table this season, I think. But they will be slightly more comfortable than last season. That's my that's my take on it so far, at least.
0: Well, Andrew, um, we all know you wanted to say it and we're just waiting for the moment but I'm going to give it to you early. One signing that you want to pick out. Come on. I, I was waiting for you to say it then, and it didn't come.
1: <laughs> I, I resisted, I resisted, but there's no point. The best signing by far is, is of course, Hassan Mamtov, the, the greatest Fennel striker of the last few years. Um, you know, Kirill Panchenko can take top goal scorer last season, but, you know, he's, he doesn't have a patch on Mantov. um But, no, I mean, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, they get a player, okay, he's 33, he's going to play for a year or two at most, but he has a huge amount of experience. It is his first campaign in the top flight, but he scored goals for fun the last two years. And and in a very, I'm going to be really, really cruel about my own team, but in a very, very poor side, um, Men have punched above their weight to be mid-table in the Fenel, and he's still been top goal scorer. He's he's not got he's not really got any pace, but he's a very clever striker. You know, he won't play ninety minutes, but you know, in the Premier League you do need to be able to rotate and there will be situations when it will be ideal for Mamtoff where they want to contain the opposition, um, have an outlet for the midfield to pass up to. And he's not he's not like a naturally muscular player, he's not a Didier Drogba type player, but he does hold the ball up well. And he's he will be a very intelligent uh, option for angie to have so i am blatantly biased i fully admit but even allowing for my bias i think is a very sensible low risk signing not for the future for long term but for the short term an excellent option
0: yeah i love the fact that on the uh angie transfer mark thing he's got he's got a question mark by the fee whereas everyone else has got one so i don't know what's happened there <laughs> but, <laughs> but i mean toker again going back to the original point that this is sort of the third window on the trot, really particularly the second since that move that we spoke about in a previous podcast where that supposed Dagestani focus, but that's that's now gone out the window and this is manic once again.
2: I think it's important to remember that if you want to build, for example, a Dagestani team, it does it. it takes time. You can't just find 11 great Dagestani football players, bring them in and then start playing wonderful football. I mean, it's a long-term process and I'm, I'm sure Angie knows this as well, that... Um, you have to start in the small. You have to but, but sorry, first of all. You, I mean, you need to, to make some talents who can reach first team level. But yeah, so sorry, you want to. Try yeah, and sorry, to sorry. Something.
0: I was just going to jump in there because the, when yeah. we heard about the Dagestani change, they let go of a load of players in in the winter transfer window. So if it's a long term project, why did they do that and then sort of recruit loads this summer of non Dagestani players? It's just it's just a mess. Just, do you see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, it's true, and you're absolutely right. I think. The reason they let all those players go in in January, I I think it was because the new board they wanted their own their own players their own guys they wanted to lower the wage bill as well. Um, but yeah, it's true. It's this is just it, it seems desperate. I think accounted I to fourteen new signings, a couple of loans, but most of them on on permanent contracts. Um, and none of these players. Okay, I know Andrew mentioned um, Afonin and Mamtav, who are proven players, but none of the players they've brought in are going to be class players in the in the premier league i mean it's it's not players who are going to raise the roof raise the level of the squad by very much uh, it looks pretty mediocre all of it and it to me it seems like a, a kid in a candy shop i mean they they couldn't pick out what they wanted, so they just took something from all the shelves and and went completely crazy and, and lost themselves in a in a haze of sugar i don't know it's to me to me it's it madness that a professional football club for, th- for three windows in a row now brings in you counted them earlier was did you say 95 players in in a couple yeah, of I mean, years 95 over the last three windows that's absolute madness i mean that's that's no way to run but that's, a- sorry sorry that's <laughs> 95 that's
1: 95 in and out so okay you know, yeah. we're talking at least 50 odd new faces
2: still that i mean that's no way to run a football club if you want just a tiny bit of success that's absolute madness i hope actually now have, have gotten this out of the system, have have built a squad that um, that they feel they can work with, and they have a, a good coach. So hopefully, for now, they, they can settle and, and take b- things a bit more slowly because this is just crazy. I mean, imagine all the money they, wa- they waste on sign-on fees and everything. <laughs> I can't even comprehended
0: yeah you'd love to see the agents fee bill as well wouldn't you but um interestingly though andrew going going to sort of on the pitch matters with angie i mean we will go we'll go on to the other clubs of course but just interesting to know oh, they lost their first game against cisco but they managed to score against well not so much this season but a supposedly really tight defense and then they won their last game against amcar so <laughs> we say oh this transfer business is yeah. no way to run a football club and then they win a game and at, they they lose they well they score against cisco I mean, they did deserve to lose, but, you know, it's against Siska, so it's going to happen. So, you know, who maybe, maybe it could work. I mean, I know it's early well, days, that, but still.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sheer volume of transfers, I think, is the main consternation point here. And takes absolutely right. In long, I mean, certainly long term, it's, it's just idiotic. Um, although I would point out, it is actually the nature of pretty much all clubs um, below the Premier League. Um, you know, I mean, as you guys know, I follow men, and they, they regularly have 10, 15 new players every season and I'm I'm just learning the new players now but um, you know for Premier League State slight like Toker points out it's not sustainable long term and yes they have certainly brought in and well rotated more players in their squad than I think they should have done or needed to but in those players I do think there are some some good signings that will be of, of value to them um, Sergei Brizgalov for example centre-back um He's a young player. He'll play for a while. Thomas Feeble. I've been a really, or Feeble. uh, you know, my French pronunciation is terrible. But I think he's been one of their best players uh, since he joined on loan in the winter. And I believe he's signed permanently now. Um, And, you know, adding to that, you've got, of course, um, Afrin and Mantoff, like I mentioned. Gatoch Panom, when he settles, he could become a great player. Um, He's a a tall midfielder, goal-scoring midfielder. Um, it's just the number of transfers. They they just need to rein that in somehow. So, um, I like I say, I I think this season. Like the next two or three seasons for Angie should be about consolidation and they shouldn't shouldn't be targeting Europa League yet because they're clearly not clearly not ready for it, not stable enough for it. So they should be aiming for mid-table, not just for one off and then go for Europe. Two or three seasons of that um and gradually improve the squad. Um whether we'll see a gradual improvement, a gradual turnover of players in the well, the winter transfer window. That comes around next. That remains to be seen, and I suspect we probably will still see a large number of turnover players. But I, I think, yeah, within the world of Angie Madness, I think this window has been actually the most sensible. Like I mentioned, um, it's just it is within the context of being Angie that you have to you have to remember the dealings. So I, I think I think they've done well. Um, I, I really do. I think this season they'll be I'll be I'll be okay. Sorry, Andrew. Did you actually just say that Antje could go to Europe? No, no, I am saying they shouldn't go for Europe. I say saying they shouldn't be aiming for Europe. But, but um, in the next few seasons... Well no, I mean you know any club i mean no club over ten fifteen years has has the ambition of staying exactly the same place um and I don't think they really should do yet um but you know if if they consolidate over the next two or three years and they get rid of the deadwood over the next two or three transfer windows, there's no reason why they can't gradually improve over you know let's say say, four to five years' time, if they recruit well and they bring in good youth and they um, make a profit of some of the youngsters, there's no reason why they can't at least head towards the top half of the table. Um, yeah, and don't forget, there's now five European places. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm talking medium term here, um, certainly not any time soon. Yeah, you're, t-
2: you're really, got you really are the optimistic man on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no. Yeah, I guess so, I guess so. Um, but yeah if we've had some man in the side anything could happen
0: or oh, nothing could happen but you, you talk about Deadwood there I'm thinking might, the first thing that came to my head was self-inflicted Deadwood but um, the, anyway I want to move on to the other clubs now and we'll start towards the supposed top of the table even though they're down in seventh at the moment after uh, a win and a loss uh, for, uh, beat Angie in the first game and then they've lost the Moscow Derby to um, Lokomotiv that, and that is Siska, of course now Toka We've known for the last couple of years that Ziska's strength has been the defense and they've been pretty solid in that I think they only conceded about 12, 15 goals last season. Uh, but up front it's been pretty atrocious especially since the departure of uh, Ahmed Musa last year and they've not improved on that this summer. So so far I mean but just a quick thing for, for everybody really, I must stress there are still about four or five weeks of the transfer window left, so there's still a lot of time for things to change. But but this should be a big priority for Siska and uh, Viktor Goncharenko.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, of course, there's still some time left of the transfer window. But it's it's very odd with Siska this, this summer because they haven't really done anything. I mean, it, they, last season it was it was quite clear that, okay, this team, it needs some work. I mean, they need to, to rebuild after Slutsky. They had the same core on the team for a long time. And they need to start building a new team. They brought up uh, Fyodor Chalov, the young striker, who who did very well. I mean, he looks like a, a very promising player. But right now, they have uh, three strikers in the squad, Chalov, uh, Vitinho, and um, Olanara, the Nigerian striker. And, okay, they're all decent players. Uh, and Vitinho look, especially looks like a, a guy who can who can become a good player for Siski. I mean, that's the reason they spent so much money on him a few seasons ago. But they, they really need a quality striker. For years, they've been treated with the likes of... Um, Wagner like Love, Joe, Ahmed Musa, Seydou Dombi, i mean, really top-class strikers—and the, the current players simply don't have that level. They need—they really need a top-class striker. They need someone who can—who can score goals, who can, someone who can um, make an impact in the in the important games. Right now, I'm, I'm worried about them. Right now, I'm worried they don't even make the ch- uh, the Champions League group stage. And I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that. I mean for for some time we have heard about Siska's financial problems. They spend you know, spend so much money on the new stadium and, and that's why we haven't seen the the normal amount of investments in the squad. Of course Siska has never been the richest Russian club, um, but usually they would they would spend some on, on players, they would bring in some new guys, there are some new faces and it just hasn't really been the case this summer. And I mean you can see on the results they they lost to, to, to Lokomoto Moscow three one at home this week and that's that was unthinkable. That was unheard of before this season. I mean, you, you, you didn't see them lose those type of games uh, under Slutsky.
0: Yeah, I mean, just just for the benefit of the listeners, I mean, we talk about the strikers and the defence, but we say the improvement on the strikers, but that's not to say that, oh, they've like invested in defence loads because they haven't actually signed anybody, Andrew. And this is all where we look a bit stupid, to be honest, because they play in Europe. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday for the benefit of the listeners, but I don't think it'll come out till Wednesday. But, um they're playing tonight on Tuesday, Siska. So this could be... I mean, Toka says it might not even make the group group stage past... They've got to go past AEK Athens first, who could could be a dodgy threat, really.
1: Well, I mean, actually, you guys were focusing on the forwards. I think their major mistake was not investing in the defence. I actually don't think they're that far off having the forward line that they need. I'd say um, Olinair has been a bit disappointing since last summer, the end of um, 2015-16 season. He was very good before he injured his knee um, when he was on loan. But I still think it's worth... You know, having a bit of faith in him in the long term over the season. Chaloff I think is a wonderful talent. We all we all love Fyodor Chaloff and hope he will develop well. And Vitinho looks like he's he's on pretty good form. Um, and that's just the the out and out strikers. And you could even argue that Zagorov could be a you know, a partner for Vitinho like he has been for the last couple of games. I actually think up front they're not really that that badly served. It's in defence. Um, Ignashevich is injured, and he said, I believe he said this will be his last season. And the Beretsuskis are well, they're thirty five, and I don't I don't think they're likely to go on much beyond this season. Possibly one more. Viktor Vassin has looked um, just hopelessly um, ever, ever ridden in defence. And after that, the only other player in the first-team squad, senior player, and if you can call him senior, is Nikita Chornov. And he's not even played for Tiska yet. So we could be in a situation by the end of the season where the only centre-backs in the squad are Viktor Vasin and Nikita Chornov. And they play a three-man defence. So um, I just think it's uh, very poor... Foresight of the club not to not to bring in um, a, another defender you know I'm looking at somebody like um, it, it, someone like Ivan Novotel that sort of quality he's not a first team starter at Zanita at the moment although I think he ought to be um, I think even a player of that sort of level they should have brought in um, I mean the size of the squad overall is, is desperately thin for a European campaign but for me the major major concern is um my first area would be the defence um, because it's just so thin. Um, and there isn't a leader there in the in the back three. So Europe, oh, Christ. I mean, if they don't get past A. K. Athens, and like you guys say, it's not a foregone conclusion, right? Um, you know, Athens away is going to be, I think it's going to be 33 degrees. Um, that was the forecast temperature. And that's, you know, it's difficult conditions. Just very quickly to point come,
0: out though, Andrew. Um, I was looking at AEKA yesterday and they'd never beaten a Russian side in competitive football on home soil that Zenit Lokomotiv, and i i can't I think there might have been another team in there as well, so perhaps there's yeah
1: that. i mean yeah there's there's something in there and i think I think a large part of that is um is down to them most likely playing them in qualifiers like this i e earlier in the season, and you know a few years ago before the calendar changed, Russian clubs would have been in the full swing of it, and they would have only been in effectively pre-season mode. And I'm sure that's affected that record a little bit. But even still, it is a good record to have, you know, from Russian clubs' point of view. Over the two legs, I'm not I'm not overly concerned over the two legs, but I don't think it's going to be a thriller. But um, tonight, or sorry, yesterday, I should say, um, is, will be, was um, a very important game <laughs> um, for Cisco. I think they will go through overall and... If they do, then it's that one more season of group stage prize money, which is invaluable to them.
0: Yeah, Tokar, I don't want you to comment, I'm good because we're going to do a bit of a European preview later. So I'm going to move back to the transfers here and go to Andrew's point about that defence. Um, quite quite a valid point, really, if you think about it. Because, I mean, Siska scored three goals in their first game and then they scored against Lokomotiv. Obviously, they still lost, but they scored four goals in two games. That's it's pretty good for a team with no strikers.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, of course, the defense, we've been talking about this for ages, also with the Russian national team, with Ignashevich and the Buzushki twins being, like, having a combined age of almost 100 years, so to over 100 years, actually. So, yeah, obviously. The 100 last- okay, yeah. You're Your math, Andrew, I must give you that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about the defense, we talked about the strikers, we also have to talk about the midfielders. Christ, they lost Soran Tosic this season. He's been a, a key player for years. They still haven't replaced Roman Yaremko, who was uh, suspended for taking too much cocaine last last year. So, and no, now, I love Sakoyev, how I love,
0: sorry I love how you say "too much" rather than if he takes yeah, just a know, little bit. Right. Fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and now Sokruf is playing up front, so the central midfield is really getting thinner and thinner for every day that goes by. It, it it's quite shocking, I must say. Trying they try to replace these. Uh, wonderful, some of the best players in the league with youngsters and as much as I like and I love seeing young players uh, get the chance on the, on the first team and, and earn the spot it's it's also a bit depressing because Cisco is a team that it really they really belong among the top teams and they finished second this last season in the Champions League we want them to do well in the Champions League after so many disappointments and right now, I mean, I know there's a month left and all that but right now it really looks like we're in for find another major letdown by by them, and it, it's just a shame.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to move on to Ahmat now because I think they're quite an interesting case. We've tipped them sort of be, be, to come under the radar, and they've signed a couple of Brazilians from Brazil. And Andrew, I've sort of I know it's always been there this this look at South the South American market, but I've noticed a particular shift there this season with all the clubs really. And uh, Ahmad, I was about to say Terek again, then have been a prime example. And uh, Leo Jabra started his career very well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, the confidence of that boy for that goal, um, in that opening game, just to, you know, his pace to get between the two defenders, the pre- the presence of mind to take it around the keeper and then the cheeky little, well, I don't know what you call the finish, a little chip from two yards over a sliding tackle. I mean, that was, that was, that was great to see, wasn't it? Um, and he's he's only 18 years old, is it? 19? Yeah, 18, 18? 18, 18. I mean, it's, and I'm surprised he was thrown in quite so early. You know, normally when you've got, you know, a kid coming over, and he is only a kid um, from very different culture, he's not really had much time to settle in and throw him into the first game is, is you know, it's pretty, um, a lot of trust shown in him. But um, yeah, you mentioned that shift in the, you know, the trend in going even more towards, youngsters from South American and and I'd almost add in there the African market when you think of Spartak Moscow's youth team with their Liberian players they brought in or Zambian players Um, and I think it is a good overall sign of the way things seem to be going for a lot of clubs. For a club like Akhmat, I think they've done well to persuade young Brazilians to come because... Without beating around the bush, it's not as glamorous as St. Petersburg or Moscow, um, Grozny. So, um, to bring in three young Brazilians, they will almost certainly, their value will go up, especially if they keep playing like this. Um, and, you know, it's a sustainable, well, not an entire business model, but a part of a business model is to, you know, increase the value of your assets. And that's what Acromatic will do this way. So, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they will fare over the whole season. Um, and then, in most, most uh, importantly next summer will they still be here will they be sold on straight away um, will they want to leave will they want to stay who knows um, but I think it's a very good positive trend for Russian football in general it makes life more sustainable
0: yeah, I mean, Toko, I want to get your thoughts on the um, those two particular Brazilians, Leo Jaba and Ravanelli, of course, for, uh, at Ahmad. But that also about that shift in towards the South American market that we've sort of seen in this summer that's sort of increased, if you like. I mean, Sergei uh, Fursenko, one of the Zenit directors, was didn't beat around the bush when he was talking about um, Trius, who has come from Argentina to Zenit, scored uh, two goals at the weekend against Rubin, of course. You know, he was pretty obvious in saying we're essentially just looking for the future profit on this we know he'll do a job for us and then the value will increase i mean do you go with andrew's point that this is a a really good business model or do you think that actually you know it could be a bit unsustainable because if you you know if you don't invest in the right players from south america they struggle to adjust i mean it just so happens that leo jaba and riusi for the one game at least have adjusted but you know if they don't adjust then it can actually be you can go quite badly wrong
2: I think it's important to to remember that this is that this is real life and and not football manager where you can see a, a player gradually develop his his skills and um, and value if for season that goes by. I mean, it's very easy to to say, well, they brought in, they bought a young guy. In three seasons, he'll be worth this much and we'll sell him to United for 20 million euros or something like that. I mean, we have to remember, for example, we talked about Vitinho earlier. Cisco, I think it was Cisco's uh, most expensive signing ever when they bought him at, at Brazil a couple of years ago, and that didn't work out. I mean, he spent a couple of years alone in Brazil, and it looked like they were going to take a massive loss on him until he returned this uh, this winter. And now we don't know what happens. Of course, they can still make a profit on him. We don't know. But it's just an example of it. You can't say that, oh, this is for certain. They will earn tons of money on this player later. So it's a great investment. I think it's it's very important to remember that this is football. And, and these are young guys moving from Brazil or Argentina to Russia. It's a very different environment, very different climate, everything. And there are some human aspects that can affect these guys. It's not For certain that they'll break through and become the new hulk so of course it's it's important for example uh jabba we talked about he only cost them two million euros uh, ahmad so it's not the biggest risk Uh, when you buy something like someone like him it's not the biggest risk because the price was relatively low but for example vitinho i mean he costed them 20 million euros or something like that so that's a completely different price range yet and a much bigger risk and so yeah, you could, you could say it different, but but I don't want to say it's it's they are certain to make a, a money on the, on these guys because so much can happen and we have seen it many times before that a player arrives with huge expectations and and just to flop. So I actually expected a bit more from Ahmad. I thought they were quite promising last season, and the fact that and I thought they were very close to qualifying for Europe. I mean, the, this the stats obviously showed it, and and they played some great matches, but the fact that they have only brought in very promising three young Bra- Brazilians but I would have liked to see them bring in a bit more proven players they lost some very experienced guys for example liberdenko um uh, Gabriel Torre, Piric. good players gross off as well um and they're yet to replace them I I think it's a bit disappointing it, it looks like they don't really have ambitions to finish high up the table this season so yeah we'll see So
0: sorry Toker. but so when you say like a uh, to close the gap, what sort of player are you expecting to come in because they're not going to go splash because let's be fair although we sort of, we may disagree with sort of the politics of akhmat if you like they are quite a well run club in the rpl so they're not going to go splashing cash on loads of players that are really risky so what what do you expect do you see what do you see what i'm saying
2: oh, yeah absolutely i mean what I was expecting was some players who approved themselves in Europe. They lost, I mean, the guys that lost were in the best football age. They were top of the twenties. Um, all had experience from European leagues. All had plenty of experience from Russian football. And I, I was thinking, I mean, when you look at the transfers they've done in the last couple of windows, they prefer to bring in players who have experience from european football who have proven themselves in in decent leagues in, in europe and yeah that, that was what i was expecting i mean last season they brought in british and and Ostef in the, in the winter transfer windows so when you sign players with that much talent you sort of uh, you sort of bring some expect, expectations to yourself
0: yeah, I mean, I mean they, it's also worth pointing out that they uh, let go of uh, Dalia Kurzaev to uh, Zenit, who had a great game against Rubin, by the way. But I um, want to move on to a couple of the other clubs now. Um, Krasnodar, who are seen as that sort of the new club in Russia, if you like, Andrew, sort of meant to be the next ones to challenge. We talk about Ahmad Challenge, but many would say that Krasnodar are closer, but not much activity from them so far.
1: Well yeah I surprised I, I'm surprised that that Smoloff is still here because we know certainly German clubs in particular but most European clubs uh, other than a few idiots in the English league like to get the business done as early as possible so um, I'm surprised we haven't seen a little bit more well, a bit more talk because there was so much there's been so much talk for a long time about him going and all we've really had is you know brief rumors of interest from Turkey and And a long time ago, a few months ago, was talk about uh, Bundesliga interest. Um, But planning to to replace him, I expected possibly a little bit more, but I'm willing to be proven, not proven wrong, but surprised. Because I actually think their recruitment has, again, been relatively sensible. By their standards, they brought in quite a few players. Um, You look at... You know, Roman Shishkin doesn't exactly get the pulse rating, but he's a very versatile player. He'll be very useful for European campaign. Um, this Andre Ivan, I don't know a lot about him except he's extremely highly rated from Romania, um, a twenty-year-old winger. And the well, the Wanderson they brought in to replace the Wanderson who left for Dynamo in Moscow. Um, he has come from Red Bull Salzburg and the Red Bull scouting network is one of the best in Europe at the moment. So, you know, if they've picked him up, they've taken a chance on him. And then he's he's arrived here for for quite a lot of money for for across our standards. Um, I'd say, to be fair, they actually have recruited very well. Um, I was surprised in the winter transfer window they let Ari um, and then let Wanson go, uh, go in the summer. I think I think those were slightly odd but now that they've brought in Ivan and once and them, and perhaps they have hopes of Smolof staying for 6 12 months more um which is obviously my personal hope but i think for Krasnodar i think if even if they let let him go now they still have the likes of you know Victor Klaas and they've got Mauricio Pereira um playmaking in midfield um Vratislav Podburouskin Vanson Ivan i mean it, it, they've actually got a very good attacking side i'd say um I'd say they're in a very good position to fulfil my pre-season prediction of a Europa League place.
0: OK, perfect. Now, Toko, because I'm quite keen to get to the European preview as well, I'm not going to ask you about Krasnodar, unfortunately. So, I mean, if you want to pop something in somewhere, that's fine. But um, just looking at a couple of the other clubs, I mean, Dinamo Moscow, newly promoted, done some good business, managed to get Panchenko on a permanent deal. And we talk about the Siska striking problems or supposed striking problems. Uh, well, they've they've sold Panchenko to Dinamo who was top scorer in the Fennel last season, as Andrew said. Uh, but other than that, they've done some good business as well.
2: Oh yeah, certainly. I mean they they brought in some some good players. Wanderson from Krasnodar looks like a great a great signing. He's not the best player in the league, but he gets the jobs done and and he has experience from from top uh, from top level football. So yeah, he's he's a great signing and and they look they look pretty good Dynamo. Uh, I was especially impressed by the opening match against Spartak where they came back from being down 2-0 get a got a 2-2 draw against the champions. Very impressive. Uh, the latest news from Dynamo, though, is that they are behind on on some bonus payments from from uh, from winning the FNL last season. So that I, I feel I feel that could cause some problems. Surely there are some players who are not who are less than happy about not receiving the bonuses. Um, but all in all, I think they're in for for a fine season somewhere in the mid table if if they can keep everything together. Uh, we always have this un, unknown. Factor in Russian football, where something mad mad can happen in in one second, change everything. But if things look right now, I, I think they'll they'll finish somewhere in the table quite comfortably. I always also want to talk a bit, bit about Lokomotiv because they just they bought uh, Mashesh Rubus recently from uh, from Olympion uh, lyon and he played at Terek not long ago, and was very impressive on a uh, left back, left wing, and. Yeah, locomotive. They have made some decent signings as well with uh, Ari and Kreekvilia, but I'm I'm kind of worried about them. I mean, they talked about qualifying for the Champions League football and had all these great uh, great goals for the season, but the they, squad what is just it still looks mediocre to me. They have some standout players, called for example, but all in all, I, I'm really struggling to see them challenging the best team in the country and 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 battling to finish third. That'll be so difficult for them and I just I can't see it happening at the
0: moment yeah and I want to I want to stay in Moscow and I'm sorry we're not going to get to talk about all the clubs although I'd love to but these European previews need doing but um, Andrew I want to go go to Spartak of course last season's title winners now as a, a Manchester United fan you'll know about the Alan Hansen quote about can't win anything with kids but before he actually <laughs> before he said that he said you buy, you need to buy when you're strong now although yep. they've kept hold of promise and we'll, we'll talk about that later because we've had a, a question about that they haven't bought when they're strong.
1: Well, yes. I mean, I I agree wholeheartedly with that um, that sentiment that Hanson mentioned. It was something that Alex Sowaxversen consistently said throughout his entire. Rain at Old Trafford, that you, you you need you do need to reinforce when you're strong because you can be drawn into the temptation of saying, Well, okay, look at Spartak's squad on paper. I'd say it is certainly in certainly the best or second best squad in the league. And they are now relatively settled. They've got a manager who who has got the players pulling in the same direction. And they might think, Well, do they really need to go and spend money? But I I do agree that um well, I, in one sense, I agree. However, one thing I would point out is Luis Adriano, I'll take him as an example. Last season, I would say he wasn't really, he didn't really hit the ground running, should we say. Um, this season, he seems to have got rid of his injury problems. Um, he seems to be more motivated and he scored a couple of cracking goals. So um, it's almost like a new signing in itself. Last season, I didn't really view him as an option to replace promise because he was out of action most of the time. But this season, I would say hes he gives you that option. Um, and I, I still think Spartak are... They, I don't think they'll be too in too much trouble this season, but they can't have another transfer window without reinforcing more. I agree with you on that point.
0: Although, like I said at the start, there are still five weeks left. Um, Toko, you can talk about Spartak as well, but I want to go to that question I referred to. Um, sorry if I pronounced this, um, this Twitter name wrong. I think it's a V-Nex I'm assuming it's a Dutch thing. I don't really know. But he asks whether Promes is ready to move to Europe. Now my argument and I think the general consensus is yes he is because it was said to me uh, about a year or so ago that it's I mean it shows the state of Dutch football really that the best Dutch player is playing in Russia but to be fair I mean that's a bit of a backhanded compliment to promise because he is probably the best player in the league and I would say ready for a move now
2: promise has been ready for a move for a long time it's it's not something that happened this summer he was he was ready last summer as well he has been as you said excellent for a long time and in my opinion. He is he is the best player in the league. I know Andrew Andrew will probably disagree. Uh, now that he both has Smolov and Mamsa, absolutely. But, <laughs> but in, in, in my opinion, he is he is the best player in the league. He's the most spectacular player in the league, and he's certainly ready for a bigger challenge. I'm I'm very happy that he start, that he sticks seems to stick around and play in the Champions League for, uh, with Spartak this season, but. I think it's only a matter of time before he leaves because he is definitely he's two years outgrown the Russian Premier League. He's he's too good for for Spartak. Um, But right now we just have to enjoy him for as long as we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, Andrew Toka mentions the Champions League there. Assuming he stays, and like I keep saying, there's still a few weeks left. um, The Champions League factor is huge in his staying, really, isn't it? And let's say they get knocked out by Christmas. You could see a European club who's perhaps having a bit of a bad time think, "Oh, let's take a punt on this guy because he's done well."
1: Well, I think um, I think it's it is good, like you say, um, like Toko mentioned too that that he has stuck around for Champions League. I think he's I think he genuinely likes likes playing here. I mean, he's he's the top dog um, at Spartak, no question. Um, obviously, not in the league um, behind Smolov and Mantov, but you know, he's not bad to be third place after those two. Um, yeah, well. But I mean it's, it's not bad at all um, it's, uh, it's an elite company there but in terms of him being ready for Europe I think absolutely there's no question and just like Tokus says um He's got international experience, he's effectively um, the Netherlands' number one striker, um, or forward at least. Um, So I don't think there's any question that he could adapt. I think his physical qualities, his mental attributes are all there for European football. Um, But like you say, now they've got European football and the top table of it, um, it'll be very very interesting to see what happens if well depending on the different outcomes of Spartak's group stage um, if Spartak get through the group, uh, if they get a, a comfortable draw and they get through the group into the knockouts then I don't know, I mean I'm sure other clubs will start noticing him even more and perhaps that's why he didn't go last summer there were just a few clubs that didn't quite for some reason pick up on him because he wasn't playing um, in European competition. so I'm hoping he'll stay for the whole season. I don't think he would go in the winter break, really, because the, the clubs rich enough and and big enough for him would most likely still be in Europe. And if he played for Spartak, he'd be cup tied for Champions League football. So I don't think it's likely he'll go in the winter. Um, so my hope is he'll stay till next summer, uh, hopefully having helped Spartak to at least the knockouts.
0: That's a good chat about the cup tie, but before we move on to those European previews, which I'm sounding a bit weirdly obsessed with, um, Toka, just the last, <laughs> just the last word on Promes is that Andrew makes a good point there, and the thinking in my mind went: what if he has a bad Champions League campaign? That really puts his stock down, doesn't it?
2: Well, perhaps it does. And I don't really think that. will... I, I don't really worry too much about that, to be honest. I think Promise has proven more than uh, more than need, uh, necessary over the last two seasons uh, that he is a very good player, it's not only for Sparta but also for the Dutch national team. And I think all clubs know what what he's capable of. Uh, of course, if he has a, a, a good Champions League campaign, it can it can push up his price, and, and a bad uh, Champions League campaign can probably do the opposite. But all in all, I think all clubs are still very much aware of Promise as a great player. And I don't think Spassi should be worried too much about, um, about his value dropping uh, drastically because he is a fantastic player and I think he'll also be leading them in the Champions League and they really have to, he, yeah, they, they, I think he'll, he'll do just fine and, and he'll go for a, a big sum. Not a Hulk big sum, but, but he'll go for a big transfer sum to, to a good club probably next summer.
0: So let's move on to those precious European previews. And Andrew, I'm not going to come to you first because you did comment quite a bit on the Cisco match first. So I'm going to get Toka's take on the Cisco the match in Greece, which is happening tonight. And you're going to look very foolish, Toka, if it goes the wrong way.
2: I certainly am. This is I've got to be careful now. I think, overall, I think Cisco should beat AUK Athens. I have to admit, I don't know much about Greek football, I saw Bonby lose to, I've seen Bonby lose to Pantanagas and Park in the last two seasons. But, well, I don't know much about AAK. But my general opinion is that CSK should win, CSK should advance. Anything but a victory over the two games here will be a massive disappointment. I don't know who they'll face in the next round. I think next round could be very tricky. And and that's when I, I really start to worry because they can face some really good teams. But uh, for the first team game here against AOK, I'm confident they'll go through.
0: So, and Andrew, that was your sentiment as well that they'd go through, right?
1: Yeah, over the two legs, yes. I think the, I think Last night's um, draw, I'm going to call it. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. <laughs> um, I think something like that. A, a close first leg and they'll oh, close it off in the second leg. I'd, I'd be disappointed, like so said. Disappointed if they didn't. Over two legs, certainly. Go through.
0: And, okay, that they, that stays on the Danish theme, Toka, because I'm going to go to Krasnodar next. And are you, are you going to the, the Krasnodar-Lingli
2: match? What? Yeah, that's the plan. That's yeah. the plan. That's next week. So
0: so where so just just out of my own interest really, where is Lingby in relation to Copenhagen then? Where are they based?
2: Uh, it's a bit north. It's in the northern Sealand.
0: And are they a are they a decent team? I mean, how how do we think Krasnar will do against them, for example?
2: Oh, Kristensen! No, they are massive favorites. Massive favorites. Viborg—it's a, a decent club. It's a historic Danish club. Uh, I taught Andrew a lot about them yesterday. But they were a sensation last year. They were a newly promoted team who finished third. They managed to beat 1B and Copenhagen, the big teams. Uh, but they have lost some some key players this summer, and they don't really have any money. They are on the on the brink of of bankruptcy. The owners are actually actively trying to sell the club. So. It's it's a it's a small club. I mean, even by Danish standards, it's a small, it's a very small club. So anything but um, but it's a, a certain, Krasnodar victory would be, would be a massive surprise because I I don't want to say it's a walkover, but if Krasnodar fails against Lungbu then it'll be one of the worst Russian results in a long time.
0: So big talk there. I mean, Andrew, I know you're not quite the Danish football expert here, but. You, you, I mean, ju- judging by what we've we've seen and what we've heard from Tony, yeah. you'd have to go the same way, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, I, th- I think it will be a not the worst journey in the world um, to to Denmark for the second leg because the, the first leg in Kristar, they surely should should be looking to score at least three or four. Um, but I mean, you know, you've got to remember this is the same side who who. Who beat Nice five two last season when Nice were top of league? on. Oh, so if they can't um, put a similar number of goals past Lingby, then I'd be very disappointed. But like Token mentioned, he he's, he gave us the lowdown on the club, um, and it's the well, it's the absolute bare minimum for Krasnodar is to is to get through to the group stages. So uh, I wouldn't expect anything else.
0: Okay, perfect. And then of course we have uh, a Zenit Saint Petersburg who are playing uh, an Israeli team, whose, whose pronunciation I'm terrible with. I mean, my, my Hebrew's not very good, as you can imagine. Uh, but I'm going to say it's uh, Benay Yehuda. I mean, they've got the away leg first in, in Israel, and then they come back to uh, to St. Petersburg the week later. Um, Toker, thought, thoughts on this tie?
2: Well, I guess we could just repeat what I just said. Senators have to win. Um, they need to go to, to the Europa League group stage as well anything but that would be again (laughs) a disaster i don't know much about this israeli side but from what i understand it's not among the best israeli sides um so yeah it should be a certain certain senate victory hopefully they won't uh, use too many they won't use too much energy on that game and then move on to the next round where they'll face some some tougher opponents right now this I mean, these these games should just be easy procedure for the Russian teams. They they cannot, they shouldn't get in any kind of problems. Um, that would be very disappointing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Andrew, what's your take on that Israeli game? I mean, the thing I would say is this is Pro Zeny really is that they they had a good result in Israel last year. I mean, I know it's a different team and everything, different circumstances, but there, there's slight confidence in that. And of course, the Mancini factor. There'll be a big big amount of confidence going into this European campaign for Zenit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Mancini's under no illusions. He knows how important the Champions League is to Zenit. Um, I mean, I know every club every club that goes into the Champions League it's important, but particularly so for Zanit and their business model. Remember, and it's um, your and at his, the moment, but- Andrew <laughs> I um, was European. I saw. So I should should have said European. Um, but you know, he he's for his personal pride as well. Um, what I would say though is, I mean, this this side. I've done a bit of research into them actually, um, and they've they've won one trophy in the last twenty seven years. They're not a even within you know Israeli football. They're not a particularly. Uh, successful side. Um, the where they're playing the game is just outside um, Tel Aviv, and there was a there was a stabbing there um, two days ago, which apparently is in response to some violence outside Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So, I mean, the tensions between um, between Arabs and Israelis is is that's always been an issue, and this is particularly so this week. So, I wonder whether that's going to make them slightly nervous. Whether the atmosphere is going to be any any different I don't know but I'd say get away from this leg with the scores level and that would be enough Zeni shouldn't really have any trouble rolling them over in St Petersburg
0: and um, although they're not playing this week I want to focus on the two teams that are going straight to the, the group stage and that's Spartak in the Champions League and Lokomotiv in the Europa League so uh, Toker, just your thoughts on those two sides
2: I think Spartak will be in for a difficult Europa League I have to say that uh, Champions League. of oh, Sorry, um, they don't really have this European experience. The last many European campaigns have been massive failures, and I think they just lack like the yeah lack like experience in the squad from European campaigns. It'll be interesting to see them in the Champions League. Of course, much depends on the group, and I think with Carrera on the sideline, they do have a good uh, they, they're in a good situation. I think they'll. That they should at least finish third. I mean, that must, no matter what group they're in, that should be the, the absolute minimum um, of the targets. But yeah, I, I worry about the both also both the lack of experience, but also the, um, also the lack of depth in the squad. I mean, they don't really have that that many good players. Uh, you can see it when you look at the, at the recent games. As soon as they have to start substituting, the. Simply the uh, the level of after the quality of the team it just drops and I think in the Champions League that can really hurt them. More than the Europa League, that's good for them. They should probably they need to advance from the group stage, of course, as as they've done before. Uh, from there on, it depends on the draw, but they they should be in for a, a decent campaign. Go, at, that will last until. Let's say March, a, a, a round or two into the Europa League playoff after the group stage, that that will be that will be alright for them. But much depends on the draws. But I, I'm I think they'll do well. They have a, they have a good squad from Europa League standards and and they have the experience. Not long ago, they beat they beat Final Baccia, So yeah, I think they'll do well.
0: Yeah, I mean Andrew Toker says a lot depends on the draw, and of course that, that is very true. But the one thing I'm thinking with Spartak is that they are a pot one seed. So a a good draw could give them a, a good chance here.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um I mean, as you guys have mentioned, as you know, I'm the optimist on the pod. And um I think I think that seeding will certainly help them at they, they should be able to at least get that that lucky loser's you know, exit into the Europa League in third place. But I'd say they should be aiming, they should be aiming to get out of the group unless they really are drawn. a seriously tough, um, tough campaign. I mean, remember, okay, two years ago when Cisco were drawn against Manchester United, Spurs and um, Leverkusen, I think it was. It was... Um, it was just one of those campaigns where, and not not Manchester United, and Spurs, Manchester United, Monaco, and Leverkusen. Um, I was disappointed that they that they finished so low down with down the group stage. We expected them to get third. Well, I think Spartak are better prepared. And okay, they haven't got recent Champions League pedigree, but even still, I think um, yeah, I, I don't see there's any reason why Spartak couldn't. Um, Carreras prepares them well. They've got a good squad at the moment anyway, as long as they don't lose promise. So yeah, I'd say. Um, aiming for getting out of the group and bare minimum third place for Europa.
0: Um, What about Loco? And and just for the benefit of the listeners, um, for the group stage, Locomotive will be a third pot seed. So third out the fourth. So what's your thoughts on that, Andrew? Uh,
1: Locomotive. I think they've got, well, certainly have a more difficult task. Like you mentioned, the seeding, it does make a difference. Um, However, it's a funny one, Europa League, because a lot of the big names tend not to put their all into the Europa League campaigns so it depends on the not just the names they get drawn against but the attitudes of them you know so for Loco it is a seriously prestigious tournament based on their you know their, their European history they, they haven't spent a lot of time in Champions League so Europa League is I'd say is if anything, slightly above their level. So I think Loco will take it seriously. And if they are lucky, they may get drawn against a first seed who doesn't field their first choice team and pick up a result at home. Um, I mean, that's my most positive spin on it. Uh, I think overall, though, I think Yuri Sermin is more likely to play safe. I don't think it's going to go all out for Europa League success because I don't think Loco can really expect to make any lasting impression at the business end of the tournament. So, um, But who knows if they get a good draw? Certainly, why not? I think they could make it through.
0: If we see anything resembling the the Rostov campaign last year for either of these two sides. I think I think most Russian football fans will be happy. But um, just actually quickly because um, we were planning to do European previews only, but, but we did get a question on it and that was from uh, Sosrgez. I don't really know how to. Sorry. Um, anyway, thanks for that question asking about the, the Russian clubs in Europe. But again, that unfortunately brings the end to the podcast. So it just leaves me to um, to thank our two guests. That's uh, Tokathelaid.
2: It's always a pleasure, Tom.
0: Good stuff. And we've got Andrew Flint as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for letting
1: me indulge my passion for Mamtov earlier as well. But that was great, yeah.
0: You're, you're not done yet, Andrew, because I'm just going to give the listeners a few pointers, uh, like we always do. So the, the Russian Football News Facebook page, and I will come to you, Andrew, don't worry. And uh, we've got the Russian Football News Twitter, which is at Russ Football News. The Instagram is at RussFootballNews. Um, uh, Toka, the, the VK page is you just search Russian Football News, right? For, for our Russian listeners, that is, primarily.
2: Exactly, exactly.
0: Perfect. And Andrew, Predictions League... On the Facebook page, indulge yourself. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. The, the prediction league is going well. Actually, we got um, we had about forty-three players last week. Our record turnout. So, yeah, get involved. Um, it's that simple. Head to the Facebook page. It's all done for you there. Find the video preview, which will go up um, uh, by, probably by the time that you hear this, it'll be up on Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we'll put it up. Uh, comment below with your predictions and um, and join in. And don't forget as well, sign up to the newsletter. Just pop an email address in the direct message on the Facebook page and we'll add you to the mailing list and you'll get um, all the latest news on Predictions League and the website on the weekly newsletter there.
0: Perfect. And the website, which I have, I've forgotten to give it out, which is uh, russianfootballnews.com. Uh, some good articles up there at the moment. I mean, Toko, Toko, what's your what's your editor's pick for for the last couple of days and anything incoming that you're looking forward to?
2: Well, for the last couple of days, we had a great article on uh, Luchesko's time at Senate uh, about whether he was a scapegoat for some problems he didn't really cause or if he was just a failure who made too many mistakes. I really enjoyed that. We also had a great article on uh, Alexander Krasikov, who, who just uh, retired from professional football the other day. Um, so, yeah, that, those, those two are great articles. I'm sure you'll enjoy them as a Senate fan too, yeah, I've Yeah,
0: I've read them both. They're both great. I've read them both. Brilliant.
2: Yeah, that's good. Uh, in the next few days, we have some, of course, we have, have previews, betting advice coming up. We have some, um, we, ha- we have a piece on uh, the, another Senate hero, Viktor Faisulin, who has been injured for almost two years now. Uh, so yeah, we, we have a lot of of, of of good stuff coming. I mean, you should just check it out. We have new stuff coming every day. And it's about, we have some Soviet football history as well as the latest uh, news from the Russian Premier League. So it's it's very diverse.
0: Perfect. So that's RussianFootballNews.com, at Russ Football News for the Twitter, RussianFootballNews Facebook. Just put Russian Football News into your search engine and you'll find something to occupy yourself with. So again, and again, actually very quickly, do subscribe to this podcast. Thank you again to the, uh, the World Football Index for hosting this. Uh, you can find lots of other great podcasts on there, which I'm sure you can find on their website. Uh, so again, thanks for listening and we'll see you again in two weeks' time
1: идёт футбольный
2: матч летит над полем мяч